welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to begin our time uh, in God's Word just a little bit different this morning. It was something that I felt impressed upon uh, my heart when we were in uh, worship earlier. And so I just want you to put your Bibles aside. I want you to put your notes aside. Uh, I want you to put those things aside. I want you to stand with me this morning. We've been in a sermon series called Teach Us to Pray. And we began that uh, the Sunday before joining our, our denomination in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And as a church family, we have committed to be people of prayer, uh, to contend for a move of God in our persons and in our households and in the community and the world as a result of that. And it is likely that you have begun sometime along the way to begin to pray and to be encouraged and invited by the Spirit of God to do that. Um, some of you may be learning to pray for the first time. It was, was never something that was a part of really your church uh, experience. Some of you are falling in love with it again, uh, having become a commonplace practice that had kind of lost some of the love and the life to it. God is breathing new things into it by His Spirit. Some of you are growing and being challenged uh, to have a faith rise in you and to begin to contend for bigger and greater and more of what God would have for you and for your life. And at the same time, as, as on that spectrum, we would all be kind of responding in different ways, maybe taking our very first baby steps or kind of relearning something that we thought that we knew or finding new life into something that had become just a rigid spiritual practice but didn't have a connection to the Father. It is likely that in all of that, that as you've taken steps of faith, that you have at the same time been met with some type of opposition. That as faith has grown in you to pray for breakthrough, now all of a sudden it seems like the bondage is a little bit stronger. A place where you did uh, began to contend for God to meet a need, now all of a sudden the need is even greater that the challenge that was looming now looks like it's gained momentum and has some friends attached to that, that there is something in the space of like waiting and contending for a breakthrough that hasn't come that has begun to be wearisome to your heart and to your soul. And when we were singing that song a little bit earlier where it talks about the good plans and purposes that God has for us, and this idea that I would take heart, I will take heart in deserts and gardens, regardless of circumstances, regardless of like the practical expression, the outcome of what's going on in my life right now, there's gonna be something in me that faith arises in and my soul is buttressed up by this, this idea that I'm going to take heart. I felt like the Lord spoke to me to speak that over you and your situation today. Because when we are in a place where we begin to pray and contend for the things of God and we don't see them with immediate effect or we don't see them expressed or come to pass in our timeline or in the way that we were hoping that they would, there is something of a weariness that begins to creep into our souls and to our persons. And what happens at that point is we oftentimes decide to stop that we no longer contend, we no longer pray, we no longer continue on because we end up losing heart. And when we sang that line, take heart, I was reminded of Jesus' words in John chapter 16, 
Whereas he closes his time of teaching and encouragement with his disciples, he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And what I want to do before we go into our time of studying God's word and receiving and moving into a practice of that in our lives is I want to pause and encourage you in this moment to hear those words that Jesus would speak to you. Take heart. If you've got something that you've been contending for and you're not seeing that come to pass, take heart. If you've been waiting for God to move in a specific uh, uh, way and your expectation has not been met yet, take heart. If you have been um, asking and contending for a need to be met in your life and it has gotten worse rather than better, take heart. I want to speak that to you and I want to pray that over to you, uh, over you today before we get started. And so I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads um, and I want you, if you've got something like that, where you're beginning to lose heart. I just want to encourage you to put your hands out in front of you as if you were presenting that honestly before the Lord. And God, you know the posture of our hearts. So even if our hands are uh, reluctant to present those things to you, you know the great need in our heart. You know the things that press. You know the places, Lord, where we feel like darkness is closing in, where we are losing speed in our momentum of prayer, where there is a sense of helplessness and hopelessness that is lurking and where there is a temptation to lose heart. And so we would hear your words, Jesus, that you would speak to us today. We would hear you speak, take heart, because you have overcome those things. Take heart, because you are the great physician. Take heart, because you are the provider, that you are the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. To take heart, because you care. To take heart, because you have compassion. To take heart, because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You do have power, and you demonstrate that. Take heart. And so, Lord, I pray that each heart that would need to hear that today, that they would hear that, that they would have those words of life breathed to them by your Spirit, and that there would be an increase of their faith and their expectation, and that there would be a, a renewed vigilance and commitment to contend in prayer for the plans and purposes of God, to contend in prayer for the things of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. I felt like it was important to begin our time this morning with that. Oftentimes we would respond at the end of a message or maybe in a transition in worship towards that type of end. But in particularly beginning as we go into our focus of study uh, this morning, uh, because there is an encouragement that Jesus gives us when he begins to teach his disciples about prayer, uh, in being persistent, in continuing to move forward or to press into or to contend for, to continue to go in a way where there's a confidence, where there's an increased faith, and where there is not a, a heart that is being lost in a sense. And we've been in this uh, series for the last couple of weeks, Teach Us to Pray. 
And it coincides with our 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're partnering with uh, churches uh, across the globe in. But at the same time, it began with an inquiry and a question uh, in Luke chapter 11. And if you uh, are just joining us in this series, you can um, catch the, the first two weeks uh, online um, and, and through uh, our webpage. But we began with Luke chapter 11, where Jesus has one of his disciples approach him and says, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And the, the invitation there was really, Jesus, would you teach us the mechanisms of prayer? That's really what is being asked. Like Jesus had taught on prayer previously. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount had already happened. Jesus modeled prayer consistently in his life, in his ministry. He invited his disciples to be a part of that on many occasions. So it wasn't something that they hadn't seen or weren't familiar with, but there was something about seeing it consistently and rightly demonstrated in the life of Christ where there was immediate and positive and powerful affectation as a result of it that continued to draw their attention. You, you pray different, you see different results, there seems to be something different about this. And so Jesus, can you circle back and just like one more time, teach us to pray? And we began with that inquiry. That's kind of the starting part of our, our uh, study as a church body, having a willingness to, to ask of the Lord and to receive from him. But primarily, the invitation there has to do with the mechanism of spiritual practice. They were really asking, how, how do we do it? Do it in this way and do it in this timing because I'm looking for this effect. And a lot of times that's the simple approach that we have towards prayer. In fact, it's one of the reasons we get frustrated in our prayers, right? If I'm not doing it right and at the right time and with the right cadence or with the right kind of scripture behind it, right, then I'm not going to see God do what I want him to do. We make it almost transactional. And that's kind of the invitation here. And while there are helpful approaches uh, and practices for you to grow in and capacities and processes for you to de develop, ways for you to learn how to pray. It's often that we get hung up when we don't see an immediate result for what we're contending for. And when that happens, when there's a per perceived delay or when we feel like there's an answer that we weren't prepared for or not actually wanting to begin with, our tendency is to begin to become reluctant to pray at all. We begin to kind of lose hope and lose heart in even the practice itself. And we're going to talk a little bit about this morning, but I want you to see that the way that that starts uh, to, to kind of creep in to your relationship with the Lord and the way that you would interact with your Heavenly Father has to do with a shift from being personally related to God to now being performance-oriented. Whenever you look at a spiritual practice and you're saying, this outcome isn't what I wanted, so I must change kind of the inputs to get there, I'm immediately beginning to think about the whole practice as it's, uh, in, on its own as performance-based, right? If I did it better, then I would get better. Or if I would do it this way, then it would result in that. 
And Jesus is constantly pushing and teaching about prayer in a way that reorients that human tendency to move from performance to relationship, to move from being performance-oriented to just be personally relating to our Heavenly Father. That's why in Luke 11, when they said, hey, teach us to pray, what's the secret sauce? What's the one, two, three, so I get what I want? Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way. This is how you should pray, Father in heaven. And that's how we began the series. And it's an abbreviated uh, Lord's Prayer, uh, quote unquote, from the more formalized one that we pull out of Matthew. But Jesus is constantly reorienting us from, hey, I'm trying to get what I want or to get the effect that I'm hoping for to know that's not the point. That's bonus and extra to knowing the Father. Start with relationship. We can all learn to pray simply and powerfully and to do so with great confidence and great effect. But in order for that to happen, prayer is to be done primarily from a relational interaction with our Heavenly Father rather than a formulated pseudo-spirituality where we're just trying to get something affected the way that we were hoping to. And the reason why that is so important to recognize is that if you are performance-oriented, if you are result-oriented um, result in your prayer, when there is a space of delay or when God does something that you weren't expecting or when all of a sudden you've been contending for something to get better and it's gotten worse, you won't stay with it. You, you won't continue on. Okay, think of it like when we decide that we're going to get physically fit, right? The new year just kind of began. Maybe some of you fell into that trap once again. This is the year that it was all going to come together for you. You picked a new kind of diet. You got your Fitbit to make sure you were getting all your steps in. You went ahead and got that gym membership. And three days in, you were like, well, it doesn't look like it's working. Back to cheeseburgers for me, right? If we don't see the immediate result, then oftentimes we're just discouraged to even stay with something, even though every one of us knows diet and exercise is the secret sauce to a lot of the health stuff, and then they'll throw in and buy this miracle pill, and it'll kind of help you on your way. But you can do so much with just the simple little things of staying consistent and moving forward, and spiritual practices are much the same way. And if we do not primarily approach prayer as a conversation between us and our Heavenly Father, when the results aren't what we're hoping for or contending for or expecting, we won't continue in prayer at all. And so that's why Jesus constantly, as he teaches them to pray, yes, there are practices, yes, there are things and ways to go about it, and we're gonna even look at some of those today. He always primarily begins with, hey, talk to your father, talk to your father, talk to your father. And that can be a challenging thought if you, as, uh, as a young person growing up, didn't have a father who was present or at home or had one that wasn't very good, though they were there. We can bring in a lot of baggage to those things, and so there's some healing and some growth that maybe has to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that can even be something that, as in faith, you begin to relate to your Heavenly Father, He starts to show you who He is, not just who you understand a father to be. There's actually some healing that can come from doing that in faith as well. But Jesus is primarily pushing on and highlighting that idea of relationship 
with our Heavenly Father. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to get those out. You can open up your smartphone or your tablet or on, uh, or excuse me, your uh, Bible app on your phone or your tablet. Um, and we're going to just prepare our hearts to hear from the Lord. Lord, we pause in this moment, ask that you would soften our hearts to hear your word, to receive it as truth and to put it into practice in our lives in faith, knowing that as you lead us by your spirit, that that root is going to go deep and that is going to produce a harvest of righteousness in our life. Lord, for hearts here that need um, a, a courage and a faith to rekindle in them so that they can contend for the things of God in their life. Lord, we pray that that would happen. Lord, for places where our lives are out of alignment with your plans and purposes for us, would you bring realignment? And Lord, the place where we bought into a focus or an attention on performance, would you remove that, Lord, and just draw us back to a simple and right relationship with you in Jesus' name. Amen. As your Bible's out, I want to encourage you to go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, and I'm going to read a large portion uh, of scripture here, a story that Jesus tells. It's not going to be up on the screen, so you will have to follow along with your own scripture there or just listen uh, where you are. And then a, a lot of what we correlate this with is going to be up on the screen later. For those of you who are taking notes, that will be helpful. But in Luke chapter 11, again, we began with a disciple coming to Jesus and saying, hey, teach us to pray. And so then he begins to uh, give them, again, reminder of, the t of a template of prayer. And so you have an abbreviated Lord's Prayer there in Luke chapter 11. And as soon as he gets done presenting that abbreviated Lord's Prayer, giving them a reminder of that template once again, he goes right into a story. Uh, and Jesus did this a lot. Uh, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if you read the Gospels, if you're familiar with Jesus's life and ministry, he used stories oftentimes to help us have a, a picture and an accessibility to spiritual principles that might be a little bit complicated or a little bit out of reach, or maybe things that we have built up kind of a religious complication to, and we're supposed to be and designed to be much more simply understood. And so Jesus was really a, a, a master of storytelling. And as they ask, hey, teach us to pray, he says, hey, here's the template, and then he moves right past any type of practices, any type of kind of mechanisms, and he says, let me tell you a story. And like a lot of Jesus' stories, it's going to leave you scratching your head, kind of wondering, like, Jesus, what are you talking about here? So again, this is under the context of teach us to pray, starting in verse 5. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. So this is how Jesus starts his story. He's teaching him about prayer. He gives him a template and a reminder of what the Lord's Prayer looked like that he had taught previously. And then he goes into this story, and you, like me, are like, what is he even talking about? First of all, it, does anybody even want friends like the friends that are be talk, being talked about here? Like, I, I don't know if you begin to kind of think or kind of imagine, but like none of these friends seem very awesome at the beginning of this. You've got one friend that just shows up at midnight at another friend's house and says, hey, uh, I'm a little short. Can I borrow something from you? Like, no, like don't come to our houses, right? I mean, maybe some of you are still awake. I went to bed at like 8.30. That's where I'm living my life now, right? So like he, he shows up and says, hey, I, and, and, and so he shows up unannounced at night. You've got somebody else who's coming to visit this other friend 
right? And that is presumably unannounced as well because otherwise the friend who's asking for the other friend's stuff would have had his own stuff because he would have been prepared for this friend's arrival. Are you tracking with me? You've got an unannounced revival, uh, arrival saying, hey, here I am, I'm gonna spend the night at your place. And that guy's saying, I don't have anything for you, hold on, let me go to the neighbor. Hey, I got a friend I wasn't expecting and I'm the friend you're not expecting, but can I borrow some bread? And so that's how this is laid out. And this is under the context of teach us to pray. Jesus, what are you talking about? Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. And we're all like, yeah, I get that part of the story. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus speaking, though he will not give up and give him the bread because he is his friend, Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. It's such, a, it's such a weird story. Teach us to pray, Jesus. All right. This guy shows up at this other guy's house unannounced, asking for his stuff because he's got a friend who's showing up at his house unannounced. And that guy's like, I don't want to give you anything. But he's going to give him something because the guy's going to keep asking and he's just going to do it out of a reluctant friendship. What does that have to do with prayer? Jesus moves right out of that story to a, a famous statement that he makes. It's also recorded on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, but he moves right into the, the, the lines, ask, seek, and knock. As soon as I say that, many of you are like, oh, I, I've heard some of that before. And even if you haven't heard all, heard all of it, a lot of times you would be familiar with just kind of a colloquial use in our own culture where we would say, seek and ye will find, right? That, that type of a concept. That's where Jesus is going with this. He's moving into this idea of ask, seek, knock, but he starts with like this story that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. The story that he tells here is very similar to a parable that he uses in Luke chapter 18. And in Luke chapter 18, as uh, Luke's gospel is beginning to record this section, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And so at least Luke is helpful here and says, Hey, this next weirdo story that you hear is designed for you to get this point. And this is how this parable reads. Jesus said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. That guy sounds like a winner. Glad he's in power. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. So there is a woman who has suffered an injustice. She keeps coming to the judge. The judge doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about people. And he doesn't care about this person's problem either. For some time, verse 4, he refused. And so it lets us know that the picture that Jesus is painting is of somebody who has a need, an injustice that they have suffered. They've gone to the person in power and have said, hey, you have the, the power and you have the ability to right what is wrong, and I would like you to do that. And the judge doesn't care about God, doesn't care about people, doesn't care about her or her concern, and continues to dismiss her for a time until finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice 
so that, she, so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. So again, Jesus paints a picture. A person in power has the ability to affect a situation of justice and injustice, doesn't care about God, doesn't care about people, doesn't care about their issues. Finally says, all right, I will act and I will move. I will meet your need and work on your behalf so that you don't wear me out bothering me. And we're told in this passage that Jesus is describing this story to the disciples so that they don't, uh, that, that they don't stop praying, that they would always pray and never give up. And those kind of stories should get you scratching your head, right? Because you're trying to think, like, where am I in that story, right? Where are my needs? Where, where are my prayers in that story? In this one, like, who's God here? Is God the unjust judge? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. He's certainly not the widow. Like, Jesus, what are you, what are you talking about? How does this work with prayer? If you go back to the earlier story, the idea of, of the, the, the friends and, and, and trying to figure out, like, who's going to give what? Like, where am I in that story, Jesus? Like, how am I praying? What, what does that even mean? What are the points of those two stories? And again, sometimes we'll try to overcomplicate what God is, is speaking through his word and what Jesus is trying to highlight. But the points of the stories are pretty simple. In the first one, it's this. Even an inconvenienced friend who's like frustrated with you will likely answer your need. I show up unannounced, my friend's not prepared for me, they're probably not gonna turn me out, they're not gonna be stoked that I'm there, but they'll try to figure out a way to make sure that my needs are met. If they go next door to their own friend, and this friend's like, I don't know why you're asking me, like, leave me alone, like, just kick rocks, uh, I probably can't do that, I'll probably help meet that need. The, the point is, is that in our broken, fallible, jacked up relationships that are almost always transactional to some degree, that even in a broken, messed up system like that, the people that are a part of it are likely to be moved by the request. You carry that into the other parable and you have the same type of an idea. Even an unjust judge will be moved by his own discomfort. That in the broken systems of this world, the, the broken relationships that we're a part of, even in all of those problematic things, there is a way for us to get a response when we ask. And the point is this, how much more likely is a God who loves you and cares for you going to be willing to listen and act on your behalf? That's the point. The point is, if the world can do it in a broken way and still kind of figure it out, how much more can your heavenly Father, who is good and gracious and perfect, who has plans and purposes for you, who has your best in mind, who is already moving on your behalf and already stirred to meet your need before you're aware of it or can even give voice to it, how much more likely is he going to move on your behalf? Astronomically more likely. And that's why Jesus moves from a story like that to then say, ask, seek, find. 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be opened. Why? Because of who you're going to with your request. Who you're going to with your need. You're not going to the friend who's inconvenienced by your inquiry. You're not going to somebody who is unjust and narcissistic and abusive in your power. You're not going to any of those lesser things. You are going to your heavenly Father. That's why Jesus constantly says, when you pray, pray, my Father, my Abba. It's relationship. All of these other types of need meeting uh, interactions are transactional. They're transactional. Even in like a community like ours, in in an agricultural community, like one of the things that a lot of times you'll find in in small town culture and in kind of the the outlying communities in the culture, there is kind of this uh, uh, ability and there's this desire to like care for others. Right, there's a willingness to when you have a piece of machinery that's broken or when you have something that is amiss for the, for the community to come together. Even in like the ranch ag cultures here, when there's a branding, you call all of your friends and they all come and they show up to your branding and they work for free and they sweat and they bleed and they cuss a little bit. Not any of you guys, but that, you know, that early service is full of them. <laughs> right, the, 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 you, you, it's a part of the community. But if you sit and if you talk to them, they'll talk about kind of that neighborly culture. And one of the things that you can almost always pull out is this. You never know when you're gonna need them. And there's something beautiful about that and then there's something that is kind of twisted a little bit about that. The idea that I will care for my neighbor because I might need my neighbor's care, that's transaction. Even in kind of the most kind of pure and celebrated places in our culture where that would be kind of, it's a good thing. It still comes with a little bit, yeah, but I might need you. So when I call, I'm going to need you to come. I'm at your branding because next week's my branding. And it's not wholly uh, amiss in that, but we do need to acknowledge that. That most of the way that we interact with these types of things has that type of of performance evaluation to it. And so Jesus is constantly saying, don't think like that when you talk to your dad. Don't think like that when you go to your heavenly father. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Keep going. Keep doing. I want to answer three things before we close. The first one is this. How might we ask? Okay, so our 21 days of prayer, if, if you've kind of started to, to lose heart, if you haven't seen breakthrough in something that you're contending for, or maybe you're just like, Pastor, I've just been forgetful, right? Just get back on, just start. It's never too late to start again. But how, how could we ask? Philippians chapter four, Paul's writing to the church there, and he says this, do not be anxious about anything. Say anything. anything. All right, I got one up here that's with me. But in every situation, let's try it. Every situation. Every situation. All right, I heard the people at home louder than the people in the room. That's kind of a problem, right? But do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in 
Christ Jesus. One of the things that Paul reminds us here about prayer is this, that you and I are invited to pray. We are invited to ask about anything and everything. Okay, anything and everything. You can just go ahead and write this down. Here's what I have found in years of ministry. I have sat with people who have had things going on in their lives that they did not feel like they were significant enough to ask for God to move in that I get what I deserve or the consequences of my own making or it's too little to bother God as if somehow he doesn't have the divine ability to pay attention to you and listen to somebody else at the same time. That there is a dismissiveness to ourselves and a reluctance to take the real burdens in our life because others would say that those are too little or those don't matter or those are insignificant and so then we just hold them and say, well, I guess this is just my lot. And Paul would remind us that in every situation, pray. Every situation, pray. That's why I love praying with little kids. Dude, little kids will pray about anything. Anything. Oh man, I lost my, you know, I lost my notebook. Oh, that's a bummer. Should have been more responsible. That's what dad says. A kid says, well, you know what? Let's ask Jesus. Wait, what? Like he cares about that? Cares about the kid. I know that. Like some of us are reluctant to continue to pray for things because we, we just decide that they're insignificant. Like that's not the way that your heavenly father looks at you. If you're looking at it as transaction, if you're looking at it as I need to get this result, then that's gonna creep in. But in prayer, when I go to my heavenly father and say, hey, this, this is a concern in my life. Like the primary relational interaction is the conversation that's taking place, not even what he ends up doing. I talk to my kids on the way home from school when I pick them up and I'll say, hey, what's a win from school? And sometimes the win is like, hey, this one student that I was having some challenges with, we, were, we found a way to reconcile. And sometimes the win is, dad, it's chicken patty day. And like, I really resonate with the chicken patty day. I've literally gone to my kid's school and I call it chicken, chicken patty lunch with daddy. I bring my own pickles, I bring my own mustard. I love, like, I celebrate the chicken patty win as well. But like, the, like those things aren't ins insignificant in my conversation with my kid. The point is I'm talking to my kid. I don't celebrate the, the, you know, the reconciliation of a hard relationship somehow more than chicken patties. In fact, it's probably reversed and that lets you know how childish I am at times. But I don't dismiss it. Oh, that's not, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about something important. No, my kid's important. Sometimes we are reluctant to pray because what we are desiring or what we are contending for, we, it's, too, it's almost too big for God. Dude, pray big prayers. I got, a little, I got a sign in my office. It just says, pray big. Like, pray big. Dad's big. Contend for the promises of God in your life and in your family and in the generations to come. Like, pray Pray big. We're invited to pray about anything and everything. Matthew chapter 6 tells us maybe the way that we should be focusing our seeking. Seek, the, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. There's a lot of other things that you can seek, and they're appropriate to seek with the Lord, but seek him first and then go on that discovery. And one last simple thought how can you knock? How can you knock? And I just want to suggest to this to you. Just keep showing up. 
Just, just keep showing up. Show up to prayer. Show up to your conversation with your dad. Just, just keep knocking. Just keep knocking. He invites us to do that, to ask and to seek and to knock, to receive, to find, to see it opened. He invites us towards that because he's inviting us to himself. Church family, if you would stand, worship team, if you would come forward, we'll close with a couple thoughts as we allow the Lord to do maybe a new work in us this morning. As the worship team makes their way forward, I'm gonna invite you, church family, to just go ahead and close your eyes just as a way of drowning out that movement and distraction, and I want you to consider a couple thoughts, and the first one is this. How might you ask? What do you need to ask the Father? What insignificant thing have you just decided to live with because you didn't want to bother your Heavenly Father? Or what looming giant miraculous need is out in front of you and you've been reluctant to ask God. What do you need to ask? How do you need to seek Him? There's so many other things that can draw our attention. They can be distractions. They can be places for us to set our focus. Many of them are good and important but they all need to be secondary to seeking him first. Where do you need to just seek the face of the Father? And the other question would be, where, where do you need to keep showing up? Where have you begun to lose heart in your practice of prayer? Maybe you didn't lose heart, you just lost start, you never even got going. Where do you need to keep showing up? Lord, I believe that our prayers, the way that we would do them and the expectations that we would have, the consistency in them, I believe that all of those things would change. Lord, when I am reminded to come to you in confidence, when I am assured that you are inviting me to ask, when I believe that you are able to be found and when you're looking to welcome me into your presence. Lord, when I receive those as truths, everything shifts for me. It would be the same for my friends. And so I ask that you would do that today, Lord, that you would give us a confidence that you've invited us to ask that we can come to you with our needs. But Lord, help it to be out of a personal relationship with you and not a desired outcome. Lord, help us to be assured that you are able to be found, that when we would seek you first, that all of these other things would fall into place. Lord, give us a desire to seek your face. And Lord, give us a willingness and a consistency to keep showing up, to keep showing up, to continue to knock. Lord, that when the enemy would press, Lord, when there would be opposition, when there would be a delay in the response, when there would be an unexpected result, of our time in contending for the things of you, Lord, that we wouldn't shy away from that, that we wouldn't try to revisit the mechanics of our spiritual practices, but that we would just cry out 
to you, our Heavenly Father, Lord, that we would cry out to you and that we would know that in the broken systems of this world, if an inconvenienced friend is, answer, is, is willing to answer a need, then when an unjust judge could be moved by his own discomfort, Lord, how much more can we confidently come to you, our Heavenly Father, the one who loves us, the one who has plans and purposes for our life, the one who can turn things for good for those who are called, who love you, Lord, give us that type of confidence this week. Lord, help us to stay at it, to keep showing up, to continue to contend, to press into that conversation, not for the result, but for the relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A couple of action steps for you this week that I want to encourage you with. The first one is this, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Finish strong. And if you're like, Pastor, I haven't even started, start strong and then finish strong. Just do it all in one week. I believe you can do that with the Lord's help. Number two, ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Do that this week. Be persistent in your prayer.